and give me 25. I'm the gunny. It's time for the court with gunny it's, it's time for the gunny. It's time. It's time. The quarter deck. Lights, lights, lights. Get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. The quarter deck. It's time for the gunny. Hello, my bunch of knuckle-dragging, beer-drinking, hard-charging devil dogs. You're listening to The Quarter Deck. I am your host, Miguel, the Gunny Signs. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Get out the blast! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support you. Yes, the Constitution of the United States. United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. I don't believe I heard you correctly. The quarterdeck. What's going on, my bunch of war heroes, motivators, devil dogs, killing machines. I hope that every single one of you had an outstanding 245th birthday of our core. I know for me, it was an outstanding event here, even though during all this COVID stuff, still managed to hold a small cake cutting ceremony here at the house with just me and my family. But no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you know you always manage to stop for a short period of time on November 10th and honor our traditions of the birthday of our Corps. I am Miguel, the Gunny Signs, and I want to thank you guys for joining me here on the Quarterdeck. Wherever you are listening from and all of our podcast applications that may be out there, Apple, Spotify, and the Podbean app, thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. And let me tell you guys, a lot of things have been happening. I've been looking back at some of the stuff that happened throughout my career. We're going to take a look at back during the time when I actually went down there to the drill field. I am going to read to you the Commandant's message from our 13th Commandant, General John J. Lejeune, as tradition you know, of our Corps. We'll go ahead and take a look at that, reflect on that, so that way we never forget where we came from. January of 2004, that was when I received my second orders to go to the drill field. Now, we had just come back from Iraq from the initial invasion down there when we liberated uh, Iraq from the tyrant known as Saddam Hussein. And I had spent home maybe about three months, and I had to go ahead and get ready to head out there to the drill field. Now, heading out to the drill field was something that I've wanted to do for a very long time since I graduated recruit training, first of all. And, you know, that being, uh, these dates are bring back a lot of memories because I graduated recruit training on November 22nd of 1995. So my very first Marine Corps birthday, we actually spent there while we were still at recruit training. Down there in 2nd Battalion, in Paris Island, South Carolina, and Fox Company, Platoon 2045, Senior Drill Instructor, Staff Sergeant Varel, Drill Instructor, Staff Sergeant Watkins, Drill Instructor, Staff Sergeant Donnelly, all of those drill instructors that I had that trained me during that time. So it's a special time for me because that's during the time that I graduated. And, you know, it marks tradition, marks history. So ever since then, once I graduated recruit training, I knew that I somehow was going to make my way back 
and I was going to take the opportunity to actually be able to train some hard-charging, motivated, nasty little civilians into basically trained Marines. And now I was finally going ahead and getting my opportunity to actually head out there and do what I needed to do. Now, it did suck that I had to go down there in January because it was right after the holidays. You know, and you had to make sure that you're within standards, all those things to make sure that you are going to be successful down there on the depot. Now, I had requested to actually go back to Paris Island, South Carolina to be a drill instructor down there. However, I guess they needed more uh, Marines down here in MCRD in San Diego, and that is where they ended up sending me. So anyway, you know, I made the drive down there from Camp Pendleton to MCRD San Diego to go ahead and check in. You know, whenever you check in anywhere, you check in in Alphas, and we had to check in there at uh, drill instructor school before we actually went in and checked into the lodging where we were going to be staying at for the whole time that we were there. Now, Drill Instructor School is a pretty iconic place there because anytime that you go down there to MCRD San Diego, it's kind of right next to the exchange. And it says Drill Instructor School off limits authorized personnel. So when I went down there and actually checked into DI school, there were some of the clerks down there from the admin department that were actually checking us in. Now, I had just gotten a haircut. Uh, maybe a couple of days ago, got in the haircut, made sure that I was squared away, ready to go. And there was a young corporal that was there. And I was a sergeant when I went down there to the drill field. He took my SRB, verified my order, said you're good to go. And he looked at me and he said, Sergeant, you might want to go get a haircut before you come back tonight. Once you check in, you know, you're going to come back at 1600 in PT gear. So I'm like, a haircut? I'm like, all right, like I just got a haircut. Now, also, when I first checked in, I also was wearing my mustache that I had. Go ahead and giggle it up. Checking into drone sort of school wearing a mustache. Okay. Next thing you told me, like, you might want to shave that off as well. Don't be, don't show up this afternoon with a mustache. Went back down to the barracks, did my thing, got the haircut, shaved the mustache off, and got ready to go. Now, we all stayed with somebody in our room. We stayed there at the lodging, which is, you know, the little hotel area where, you know, guests stay and everything. So we had our own room, so we had two racks in there. So two of us were in there. And uh, I had my my roommate that was there with me. He was already there by the time that I checked in. So I got a chance to meet him. Sergeant Williams was his name. And uh, we, you know, we got to know each other pretty well throughout the whole time that we were there. Well, 1600 uh, came along and it was time to go ahead and go and check in. Now, we were told to come back down there in green on green and to bring our two court canteens that was given to us when we actually checked in earlier that morning. We were told to make sure that it was filled to the top uh, and that we would be ready to go. So we got there and we were all instructed to go inside the classroom and have it take a seat down there in the classroom. So we went there and got there and sat down and we just waited and everything for, you know, the instructors to get there because, you know, we all expected, you know, to get an introduction from our instructors, letting us who they are, uh, you know, the schedule, what we were planning on doing when we got there and how the training was going to go. Now, drill instructor school is basically the same exact same length as a cycle that the recruits go through when they go through their initial training. Now, here we have a room full of NCOs, a bunch of sergeants, staff sergeants, and we had one gunnery sergeant that was in our class as well. So, you know, and typically all the Marines that go to drill instructor school are the top 10% of their units, you know, in the Marine Corps that want to go down there and actually be drill instructors. Now, during that time, it was a volunteer B-billet. We weren't actually, you know, voluntold 
that you had to go to DI school because people actually wanted to go to the drill field and volunteered to go do that duty and train our future of our core. So next thing we, we knew, you know, the lights start flashing on and off, on and off, on and off. And these group of gunnery sergeants, about six of them rush into the room, you know, basically telling us to get up, move the chairs to the left and right, get, sit down, put our shoes on, sit down. And it was basically your typical black Friday. So for any of you that, you know, wondering what exactly drill instructor school is like, it's basically like an initial pickup that you have when you first get there for recruit training. So here are a bunch of, you know, sergeants, staff sergeants, gunnery sergeants that are used to, you know, basically being in charge out there in the fleet. And now you're coming back there to DI school. And now you're being treated pretty much basically like a freaking recruit. Okay. Everything is yes, gunnery sergeant, no gunnery sergeant, gunny, guns. None of those things exist because that's not the proper way that you say somebody's rank. This started the actual training cycle for us as drill instructor students. And this basically went on on that first day. We were there at starting at 1600 and we were sitting there. They made us put our head down, turn the lights off. We had to write a, par- a couple of paragraphs explaining why we were there, what we expected to gain from going to drill instructor school, and, you know, basically why it was important to us to be there and why we wanted to graduate. And this went on till about zero four in the morning. Okay. So we were there. They taught us how to form for PT, you know, not that everybody that went there should have already known how to form a unit for PT. However, you'd be surprised that when people get all stressed out, they forget everything they know. And basically they act retarded, you know, just like a basic recruit. You know, here you got staff NCOs and, and NCOs that completely forget everything that they ever did. And now we're pretty much being broken down, going back down to the basics so that we learn a schedule that a recruit's going to go to because it's been a while since all of us had actually gone through that whole process. And they wanted to make sure that we knew how to do it. But this time from the other side of the, of the world, you know, we weren't going to be recruits. We're actually going to be drill instructors. So we needed to know, you know, how to handle those kind of situations how to make sure that we knew how to do that because the recruits were going to be looking up to us and we wanted to make sure that they understood exactly what we had to do throughout that day. So finally we were able to form for PT. And like I said, we were there till about zero four in the morning and then they finally dismissed us and they told us to be back at zero five for PT. So we got back, uh, we did PT and then they took us all back into the classroom after PT and then they conducted a weigh-in for everybody that showed up there at DI school. Now, one of the things that I did realize is that when we went to DI school, you know, I was measured before I went. I went within weight, all that stuff. And for the first 10 and a half years of the Marine Corps, I've always been measured at 65 inches, always. So, you know, my weight standard was a certain standard that I had to be at. Well, in DI school, they measured me at 64 so that kind of lowered my height and weight standards a little bit. So I was overweight by about three pounds. So here we go now. I wasn't the only one. Almost about half the class that went there was overweight because they were measured about an inch shorter than they normally were when they were out in the fleet. But hey, well, whatever. So because of that, all of us were 
told that we had to lose the weight. So everybody got put pretty much on remedial. And once everybody was within weight, then of course they were going to get pulled off. Now, lucky for me, our squad advisor that we had, that we that I was part of, he was the instructor for remedial PT. So basically what he told us was that since I got to be there, all of y'all are going to be there regardless. If you're overweight or not, you're going to be there and you're going to PT with me because I got to sit there and PT extra with all those other people that I have to take care of. So either way, throughout the whole time in DI school, pretty much got double the PT. And so we got back in shape. So that, that started out that way and we had our, you know, our classroom instruction, but basically we spent the majority of the time out there on the parade deck, out there on the parade deck, you know, grinding, learning, drill. And I was surprised that, you know, we had a lot of individuals that went there to DI school that really didn't know how to march a platoon or even a squad. They had no idea how to do that. And, you know, that was a shock to me because, hello, drill instructor, you're going to be conducting drill. So you want to make sure that, you know, you kind of know how to do that stuff. And calling cadences on runs, forget about it. There were so many people that had no clue how to call cadence. All we heard was one, two, three, four, United States Marine Corps, over and over and over again. And eventually the instructors got tired of all that, and they told a lot of the individuals that never called cadence before that they better be sure that they learned some cadences by the time that we came out there to PT. And they told them to go out there and buy the CDs, go buy the CDs and learn new cadences because they were tired of hearing the same crap over and over and over again. So that's basically what they did. They went out there, they bought the CDs and some of them learned some new cadences while we were out there doing our rest of our uh, PT. Once we started doing more and more PT runs, you know, things started to get a little bit easier because when you're out there uh, running, especially with the instructors out there, they've been running constantly for a while because they have, you know, they have classes all the time uh, for three month periods. And they're, so they're PT and every, pretty much every day, PT, PT, PT. And so their, their cardio is built up pretty good. And, you know, for a lot of people, you know, you're used to running pretty much at your own pace. You're not there running, you know, a marathon to make sure that you're sprinting the whole entire freaking thing. Now, for the majority, all the drone instructors that were there at DI school, they ran 19 minutes and less for their three-mile run. You know, and there were some of the hats that were there, you know, for me, I was running about 19 minutes or so. 1930, I think it was my three-mile my three mile run that we were running. Now, one of the things, though, there at DI school, whenever we PT'd, we always had our two-quart canteen on our back, and it always had to be full. So that was an additional a little bit of weight that you had to carry. Not much, but it was there. But eventually, after a while, you kind of forgot that it was back there, and it just became part of your, you know, you running with that uh, that two-quart canteen down there on your back. So this went on for a couple of months, us doing all of our training and doing everything that we needed to do. Our training continued to keep on going down there for drone instructor school class 2-04. So for any of you that are listening to me that were out there with me, you know we had a blast down there at DI school during that time. So again, like I said, remember that we went down there in uh, January. So we we're going to be there January, February, March, and we we're going to graduate in April. So we were down there, and let me tell you, uh, time is very precious. You don't have time when you're down there in DI school. 
you have to actually make that time work for you. You know, for chow, you know, sometimes out there in the fleet, you get an hour to go out there and eat chow. In DI school, they gave us 30 minutes that we had or less sometimes. So what me and my roommate always did was we already had sandwiches pre-made in our little fridge down there in our room. We had time. We run over there, eat our sandwiches, and run right back because we had to be back in uh, the schoolhouse by a certain time to get ready to start our second half of the afternoon of all the training that we had planned down there for whatever training day or tea day we were on. So our time kind of flew by fairly quickly. You know, we did our, we did initial drill. We learned uh, drill cards. We had to do what you call teach backs where you had to actually teach certain uh, movements with a rifle or marching movements, the same exact same way that you're going to be explaining them uh, basically to a recruit. And we had to do some that we actually had to do in front of our instructors. Uh, And, you know, being in MSRD San Diego, for those of you that aren't familiar with that, it is right next to the airport. And, you know, the flight line is right there. Where the planes always take off is right there, right next to MCRD San Diego. They fly over the parade deck all the time, so you can't really hear anything. And you have to go all the way across the parade deck. The instructor was all the way on the other side. And he better hear you when you're explaining whatever drill movement that you're doing. Now, one of the things that was new to me was uh, the crucible. When, you know, when I went through recruit training back in 95, there was no such thing as the crucible. We had a BWT week, basic warfare training. That's what we had. You know, we didn't have, the crucible didn't exist. None of that stuff. It wasn't not, not until General Krulak, he was the one that actually implemented the crucible uh, in recruit training because I guess it made the recruits smarter and work together, all that stuff. Uh, so I didn't know nothing about it. But we, as drill instructor students, we had to go through the crucible. So we went, we went out there and went through the crucible with one of the training companies that was actually going through the crucible. Now, by no means, we weren't doing the same exact same thing that we were doing, but we were actually attached to some of the, the drill instructors that were with their small squads of recruits to see how they did everything throughout the crucible. So we got to learn exactly where each of the actual events were. So we knew that, you know, you had to hike from here to there, uh, take the recruits here, take the recruits there to make sure that they accomplished all of the tasks that they needed to in those two days while they were out there in the crucible. Now, we also went through uh, a lot of the actual obstacles that we did. That way we can make sure that we understood how they're supposed to work. So that way we can make sure the recruits were actually doing them correctly. All the day movement courses, the night movement courses, we went through all of those. Once we were done with uh, the crucible training, then it was time to head back and we were going to get attached to a company to go to go bird dog with some of the drill instructors from an actual company that are doing a cycle. So you're basically going to shadow them. We were going to shadow them. Uh, we wore duty belts, uh, but however, we wore soft covers. We, we still did not have the campaign cover. We had not earned that title of a drill instructor yet. So we could not wear the cover. We had soft covers and we were attached to come to, uh, a company. Now for me, I got attached to Bravo company, which, you know, ended up being the company that got a that I had orders to 
once I graduated the high school. So we were able to actually bird dog, got to learn everything, and we were basically there from uh, zero six in the morning until lights for the whole entire week that we actually bird dog. So we got to pretty much see basically what they did from uh, you know when they got up in the morning during PT and after PT throughout the day, what they did all the time on the parade deck, uh, how to conduct the hygiene inspection, all those things we basically watched the drone instructors do. So we had a general idea of what we were going to be doing. And that week was almost one of the last things that we had to do prior to us graduating from DI school. We had to take our final examination to make sure we passed all the knowledge questions, the SOP, the Standard Operating Procedures Manual, make sure we knew throughout the years, you know, SOP gets thicker and thicker and thicker because people continue to do retarded things out there on the drill field. And, you know, you want to make sure that you conduct everything and do all the training without violating that SOP. You know, can it be done? Yes, it can be done. You can still train a basically trained Marine to the best, you know, best of your ability, and they will make great Marines. You know, they'll understand the concepts, and they'll they'll get things done the way they need to. There's no reason for you to have to put your hands on a kid to, you know, make him do what you need him to do. You know, so it is possible. But we took our examination. Uh, I passed the exam. And then graduation day was set that day, you know, for graduation. All of us were, you know, extremely happy that we made it. Now, I can remember that, you know, our class, we started with about 50-something Marines that we started with in the high school class. We ended up graduating 32. So, you know, a lot of them were dropped. Uh a lot of people go there and, you know, they don't make it graduating DI school and they get sent back to their parent command. They get sent back there and everybody knows that they, they failed out or they just ended up quitting themselves. They didn't want to be there anymore because, you know, like I said, it's a volunteer thing. You go, you, we volunteered. They ended up getting dropped because they weren't able to adjust to the training and they weren't really comprehending everything they needed to do, whether it was with a physical training or the knowledge-based training that you had to do. But I can remember very clearly still that uh, graduation day, you know, when they give you your campaign cover and you actually put it on there on stage for the very first time, actually as a United States Marine Corps drill instructor. So that title is now yours. You know, when that title became mine, I remember I was on stage. They called my name out there. They, They basically... You know, had us there lined up on the ladder wells, getting ready to go. All the campaign covers were stacked there on the table. Now, we were supposed to give them our campaign covers, and they had them in a certain order for us to get ours when we uh, went on stage. I think everybody got theirs kind of mixed up because the, I don't think the instructors actually really paid attention to that, or they really didn't care. But anyway, it is what it is. So I got my cover. They called my name. They're like, Sergeant Miguel R. Signs from Sierra Barry, 5th Battalion, 11th Marines, assigned to Bravo Company. Walked on stage, faced, did my facing movement towards the chief instructor. He handed me my cover. I put it on my head, and I walked off stage as a Marine Corps drill instructor. By far, one of the, the best highlights of my career thus far. So that, that was DI school. 
So I, I want to leave you guys there with, you know, pretty much graduating from DI school. And next week we'll start talking a little bit about uh, that first cycle and actually just, you know, learning, learning the ropes as a new drone instructor in training these basically trained Marines. The quarter deck. Stories from the duty NCO. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. You gotta be you kidding gotta me. You gotta be kidding me. On November 1st, 1921, John A. Lejeune, 13th Commandant of the Marine Corps, directed that a reminder of the honorable service of the Corps be published by every command. To all Marines throughout the globe, on the birthday of the Corps, since that day, the men and women of our Corps have continued to distinguish themselves on many battlefields and foreign shores, in war and peace. On this birthday of our Corps, therefore, in recognition of the will of the 13th Commandant, a reminder of the Corps' honorable service is published as follows. On November 10, 1775, a Corps of Marines was created by the resolution of the Continental Congress. Since that date, many thousands of men have borne the name Marine. In memory of them, it is fitting that we, who are Marines, should commemorate the birthday of our Corps by calling to mind the glories of its long and illustrious history. The record of our Corps is one which bear comparison with that of the most famous military organization in the world's history. During 90 of the 146 years of his existence, the Marine Corps has been in action against the nation's foes. From the battles of Trenton to Argonne, Marines have won foremost honors in war, in the long era of tranquility, at home, generation after generation of Marines have grown gray in war in both hemispheres. And in every corner of the seven seas so that our country and its citizens might enjoy peace and security. In every battle and skirmish since the birth of the Corps, Marines have acquitted themselves with the greatest distinction, winning new honors on each occasion until the term Marine has come to signify all that is highest in military, efficiency, and solidarity virtue. This high name of distinction and solidarity repute we who are Marines today have received from those who have preceded us in the Corps. With it, we also received from them the eternal spirit which has animated our Corps from generations and has long been the distinguishing mark of Marines in every age. So long as the spirit continues to flourish, Marines will be found equal to every emergency in the future as they have been in the past. And the me of our nation will regard us worthy successors to the long line of illustrious men who have served as soldiers of the sea since the founding of the Corps. The timeless message of our 13th Commandant has left its mark in the hearts and minds of all Marines, past and present. By deed and by act from Bella Wood to the Argonne from Guadalcanal to Iwo Jima from Inchon to the Korean Armistice, from the hard fights in Vietnam to Desert Shield, Desert Storm, to the centuries longest wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and in hundreds of other places where Marines have distinguished themselves. Marines have continued to epitomize those qualities which are their legacy. The success which the men and women who have earned the title Marine have achieved in combat and the faith they have borne in peace will endure forever. The Commandant and our many friends have added their hearty praise and congratulations on this, our 245th birthday.
the quarter deck. Here's to another great and outstanding week, especially this week since we celebrated our 245th birthday, followed by Veterans Day. So to all my veterans that were out there, I know that we didn't broadcast yesterday, but I want to wish every one of you guys a happy Veterans Day and happy birthday from me to you. Listening to our Commandant's uh, letter to the Marines never gets old. I know that every single year the reading of General John J. Lejeune's uh, birthday message, we hear it every single year. But something that will never, ever grow old. That tradition is true, and it's going to be upheld for many, many years to come. If you haven't had the opportunity to actually watch the video of the audio of the birthday message for 2020, I encourage you guys to go and watch it. I do have the link posted on my Facebook page. It'll be posted down there for you to be able to actually find the link to the actual birthday message, as well as I will go ahead and uh, put it down there in the comment information section for this week's podcast. I want to thank you guys for all the support, all the encouraging emails that I receive every single week, encouraging this broadcast to continue to go on every single week. There's always lots of things that uh, we can discuss, we can talk about and everything, but it's always great to hear the stories of the current active duty Marines that are still in the service today that can relate to a lot of the stories or the traditions and things that you know us retired old crusty ones you know, once did ourselves, but we'd like to see the changes that are going on in the Marine Corps today. You know, with everything going on now, with things getting, I won't say easier in recruit training, but things change as time goes by. Now, most definitely, like we talked about, the time in the drill field when I was there, things were for sure way different than, than they are today. They're a lot different um, in the way training is conducted in the way evaluations are done and so many many other things i know that i heard that eventually i guess they're trying to actually integrate recruit training which you know to me uh that's not a good thing you know a lot of things you know could happen and a lot of things do happen in recruit training you know the way everything is separated now you know the, the our our female marines train in paris island our male Marines uh, have their own separate location there, as well as in them, San Diego is an all-male training facility. Now, you know, if they wanted to bring, like, a female battalion down there in San Diego, I think that would work. But as far as integrating them into the same squad bay, the same platoons, to me, that's not something that I don't think is great for our Marine Corps, but... You know, the powers that be, those that wear the big giant hats way up top are the ones that make that choice. And if they, if it's their policy and what they decide to do, then hey, so be it. That's their policy. So again, uh, my name is Miguel the Gunny Signs. And I want to thank everybody again this week for the outstanding support. Thank you guys for listening to us here on the Quarter Deck, which is available on Spotify the Apple Podcast application, and Podbean. And a new episode is always uploaded every single week. It is uploaded for you to enjoy, to listen, and to make any suggestions that you would like to make. Please 
continue to put the comments on our Facebook page, The Quarterdeck with Gunny Signs, where all kinds of questions are always posted there. And I'll do my best to actually reply to every single one of you. So go ahead and put in your questions and we'll take a look at those. So until next week, this is Miguel the Gunny Signs sounding Liberty Call. <laughs>